John chapter 4, John chapter 8. Let's double that. John chapter 8. If you have your Bible, Ted had no clue. Um, Ted, so you did, a, you did an amazing job. Um, I want to just share with you just kind of my mind and my thought processes about leading up to um, this weekend for Memorial Day. There's, there's a lot of different things going on. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful weekend. Uh, it's a mournful weekend. It's an honoring and sobering weekend. But in the process of that, I was just kind of struck because we've been, we've been looking at some people and some passages, some situations since the resurrection. We celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We believed that he really was who he presented himself to be, and he, and he put that exclamation point like no other person that's ever been alive by taking victory over the grave. And we've been looking at some of the, the happenings that took place, and we've talked about Thomas. But in John chapter 8, I just want to read through something. I, want to, I just want to show you my thought processes here, and then I'm going to ask um, you to kind of jump around in some scriptures. We don't always go through four or five or six different scriptures, but we're going to this morning. And for those of you that normally yell at me, I will try to go slow. And I will try to give us plenty of time to get there as we study together. But in John chapter 8, I want you to notice something here. Jesus is speaking in verse 12. And in verse 13, the Pharisees um, were just accusing him. He said, they said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Uh, uh, just, it's amazing how deluded you can be when you are focused on your own good works and they're accusing the Son of God of just being a liar here. And Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. Now, I just put a little squiggly line under this because I love what he says. My witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. Now, I want you to just, I want you to just remember it. I want you to take this phrase here. Um, I'm assuming that there were disciples around. Obviously, if you go back and study this, there were some of the disciples around. I can't say... With on to, beyond a shadow of a doubt that Thomas was there, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that unless he was on assignment, he was out doing something, which you can see that he's done that before, that Thomas might have been there too. And he says this, uh, I come, you know where I come from and where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. That's a pretty strong statement. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. So I put a little squiggle line underneath that too because I like the fact that he said, my witness is true and my judgment is true for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness to myself and the Father who sent me bears witness to me. Then they said, where is your Father? Jesus said, you know, you know neither me nor my Father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And you see the setting and where he was talking about. And then he goes on to say in verse 23, and he said to them, uh, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I'm not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I love the fact he just kind of says, nothing's changed here. I've been telling you the same thing, okay? And the many things I say and judge concerning you, but you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world these things which I have heard. I want you to jump down to verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, 
If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, the verse I didn't read was verse 30. He was saying this whole dialogue, and as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Now, jump over to John chapter 14, because I, I think that this is just a good reminder for us, because there's a couple of things about our memories and us remembering and us connecting the dots. And this morning, some of us are a little bit slower about connecting the dots, remembering something that was said and putting the things together. And so this weekend, Memorial Day, I think it's a great weekend for us just to consider that God has some things that he's trying to get us to remember, and he's trying to help us connect the dots. Now, we talk about taking baby steps here, because I think that far too often when we take these huge strides, guess who usually takes credit for the huge strides? But when we take baby steps, there's a little bit of humility about that, and so we honor him. Look at, look at chapter 14, verse 1. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you I'd go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? I love this. Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip get, joins in and said, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. And if you go down through and read this, Jesus is saying, guys, this is about faith. Either way, whether you believe in me or you believe in what you see me doing, this is about faith. Now, the point that I just want to bring out this morning, do you get the connection Jesus is having this dialogue with the Pharisees, and there's this conversation going on, and they're calling him a liar. They, if you read some of the other passages, they're saying, you're from your father, the devil. This is a demon that's speaking, and he's talking to them about the father in heaven. He's talking about where he came from and where he's going, and I, I love the fact that the, the, the apostles, the disciples, are hanging out with him, and they're just kind of like in that situation, like, Ah, you taking that in? Man, yeah. Then a little time later, he's speaking about the future, and they're all looking around, and they can't remember, they can't connect the dots with what he said earlier when he's talking to the Pharisees. It's kind of like, well, that was for them, that was then. We're having a different conversation. Do you see the repeat here and how he's repeating? He's trying to draw out to them exactly what has been going on and what he wants them to understand. Do you get my thought process here? Is this an abstract thought process? Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Yes? No? Some of you are still staring at me. That's okay. All right. That's good. So, Ted, as we were talking about this week, I was just, I was just musing over this. And I was thinking that there are certain things that for all of us as believers, Jesus Christ is trying to present to us, and the Holy Spirit of God is at work in our lives, and he's trying to help us remember certain things, and he's trying to build on those things and connect the dots for us so that we can get to the point where we live in vitality and we have life within ourselves that only comes from Jesus Christ. But the crazy thing about most of our memories and our ability to remember 
And the majority of us walked in here this morning, and you can recall garbage, trash, negativity, demeaning comments, with a greater clarity and a greater recall than the beautiful, positive, encouraging, godly, amazing things. You don't have to agree with me. Don't move your neck, your head, or your body. Okay? But we can accept that because we all know that that reality is true. Most of us, somebody will say something negative to us, and we'll grab onto that, and we'll remember that, and then we can have eight more people come by and say something nice to us, and based on our church family, your normal response when you do it is kind of like, oh, that was weird. Okay? Somebody else says something nice. We deflect it. We don't embrace it. And yet... God isn't working our lives because he wants us to remember some beautiful things. And if you look at the scripture, we're not going to go through all of them. But there are so many times where Paul makes it very plain that there are things that we need to just put behind us. The garbage, the trash, the negativity, learn from it, but leave it there and leave it in its place and move on and think about new things. Think about beautiful, godly things. But then... God, from the very beginning, has put some things in place, and he says very vividly, I do not want you to ever forget. Never forget this. Remember this. Keep this at the forefront of your mind. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what, what kind of stuff are you remembering? What kind of stuff goes on in your mind? Now, when I immediately think about this, and you can jump over to Genesis with me, when I begin to think about, okay, what are some things, and we're not going to go through a whole litany. We're just going to look at some scripture this morning, and I just want to encourage you with your thought process. What do you think about Genesis chapter 9? Let's look at Genesis chapter 9. And I love this record, because in Genesis chapter 9, this is so cool, and I'm not going to, I'm going to be really good right now, because I think it's amazing how this this particular lesson remembrance has been hijacked. I'll just use that word and we'll move on. Verse 12, Genesis chapter 9 to verse 12. Genesis, the first book in the Bible in the Old Testament. And God said, this is after the flood. If you don't believe the flood, then... We have a difference of perspective, and you need to talk to me afterwards, and I'll just argue the snot out of your brain thoughts. And some of you, honestly, you don't believe in the flood because you've been so inundated with one perspective that you don't know scientific information, and you don't know some of the strata that they've uncovered and some of the things they've looked at in the dirt that gives a different perspective. So if I just annoyed you, you need to be annoyed. Let's talk later. Genesis chapter 9. Verse 12, and God said, this is a sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. So guess what perpetual generations fits in? Raise your hand. You're part of that. There you go. Some of you having trouble participating. Raise your elbow. Okay. Tilt your head. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. 
Thank you for helping. He said, I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. All right, Chase, do you know when my favorite rainbow of all time, you know when I saw it? When we were coming from your party, okay, at Fairview, and we're going down the road, 2.30, right? Is that 2.30? Okay, I still get 2.30 and 2.31 confused. And there was a rainbow in the sky, and Chase, because it makes me think of you and God, so the rainbow stopped right on the road on 2.30, and we stopped and tried to get it. well, we didn't really stop because we didn't want to get rear-ended, but we slowed down and tried to get a picture of it through the windshield. And Lori and I were talking about, this is a promise for us to remember that God has made a covenant that he will never again respond to mankind and living creatures the way that he did during the flood. But the rainbow came all the way down and it stopped right on 2.30. I'd never seen the end of the rainbow. And I didn't see a pot of gold and I didn't see anything riding the, the rainbow. So I felt really disappointed. Okay? But I'm just trying to spur in your mind that there's certain things that God has put in place. And for some of you... You need to remember, you need to understand that there is a God that is our creator, that is our provider, he's our sustainer, and he judges sin. And he responds to us based on where we are and what we do and our ability to repent or our ability to be stubborn and hard-headed. But he has put the rainbow in the sky for us to remember the past and remember what's gone on. Now, if you want to write this down, I think this is a cool little thing. I didn't have time to study it and look at it. But if you look in Malachi, and you can write this down, write these verses down. i got to come over here to tell you what it is. Malachi 3, 16 through 18. Write that one down and look at it when you get home. Because it's the same thing. It's about remembering. And it's about how God remembers and how we need to remember when we're righteous through Jesus Christ and we're seeking him. Now, from Genesis, I want you to look at Exodus chapter 12. Turn to, from Genesis to Exodus chapter 12. I want to just remind you of some things here, and then we're going to wrap things up. Exodus chapter 12. Look in verse 14. Now, for those of you, when we share communion, and we've talked about this a little bit, um, I just want you to read through this with me. Exodus chapter 12, we're going to look at verse 14. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast of the Lord throughout your generations. Isn't it amazing that we just read when we're talking about the flood and we're talking about generational exposure? Uh, this is not a one-generation remembering. This is supposed to be passed down, and I have a point to make in just a minute. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you will eat unleavened bread, on the first day, you shall remove leaven from your houses. And if you go down through here and read, it explains exactly what 
this is supposed to be taking place and how it's supposed to be done. And there's a reason for all this. Midway through verse 17, therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. The point here is that it's an everlasting remembrance. Like there's certain things that God does on our behalf and there's certain things that he wants us to never forget. And in the same way in the Old Testament, it's the same way with the New Testament. Some of you, the reason that you take communion is not for your salvation. The reason that you take communion is to celebrate and remember the great sacrifice that our Lord did until we see him again face to face, until he returns or we see him because we're taken from this life. So now, Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you would, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And with this, I want to wrap up our remembering. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I'm, I just want to say that this is where I believe that the church of Jesus Christ over the last 20 years has failed miserably. Please hear my heart when I say this. As a man and with my wife and our family, we have spent the majority of our lives investing in young people and children. We ran a Christian camp and conference center for 13 years. We were involved in youth ministry while we were in college, throughout college. Most of my life has been spent with children and young people. And if you watch me, my, my wife, some of you we were at the ball game the other night, and she's yelling at me because I'm barefooted and I'm chasing Connor. And she's like, Connor's fast and you're going to fall and you're an old man, you're going to hurt yourself. But that just kind of naturally comes out of me. Now, thank God I could catch Connor because that would have been really embarrassing, all right? But I'm just saying, that's my heart toward children. But as somebody that's been in youth ministry, what I want to challenge you with is that in the corporation of the church in America over the last 25 years, we have lost something drastically because there's been this idea of professional clergy that has been a pass-on responsibility from the home and the parents that somehow the church is now responsible for rearing godly children. Now, if you still have remnants of that thought process in your mind, I want to say in love to you, you need to look within yourself and ask God because that is not where God wants you to dwell. The church is vital. And the church family is super important. But as we have talked and, and, and I've presented and taught to you, the very model for a successful church is the basis of a successful family. And from the Old Testament and Jewish families and with the nation of Israel, the investment with the Passover and these things that God put in place for this nation to not forget the mighty works that were done, where did that start? in the celebration and the modeling of the family. Am I correct, Hayden? You've been over there. It's the family observing the Passover. It's the family observing these feasts. And yes, do they do that as a community at the synagogue? Absolutely they do. It's a time of year where they all come together, but it starts in the family. So this is, when we're talking about generational the responsibility for generational transference is mom and dad. And I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but as you've already set the bar, 
Each and every one of us have a responsibility, not with our mouths, but with our lifestyle to proclaim to the next generation our living God. So what does it say here? Verse 20. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh and all his household. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always. Some of you need to circle that. He's not a cosmic killjoy. We may not understand him, but it's for our good always. That he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. I just want to ask you this morning. What are we passing on to the next generation? What are we asking them to remember? Kids don't expect perfection from their parents and their grandparents unless you have exacted an ungodly, unrealistic expectation of perfection over them. In some cases, they give it back. But most of the time, children and grandchildren are just simply looking for raw honesty and truthfulness. And so when our children and our grandchildren, when the children of this church come to us and they are asking questions of faith, what do we say to them? Are we saying to them, I want you to remember the Lord my God and what he's done for me. Son, I don't know if I've ever told you how that I came to Christ. Oh, my dear daughter, I don't know if you understand what I was like before I was redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and how he transformed my life. And you know, I'm your parent. I'm not perfect. But let me just tell you something. I want us to remember the goodness of the Lord. And you have seen me. I made mistakes. But the reason that I ask for forgiveness, I'm asking us, What are we giving our kids and our grandchildren to remember about our faith? What are we passing on? Let me just say this, that the reality of the church in America is that statistically the children and young people leave by the droves when they go to college. Now, it's amazing that we can easily throw that back on the church. And there's a responsibility, but yet, that responsibility from God is a family responsibility. And so I'm asking you this morning, are you making strides in your life, in your memory, and in your remembrance for you to remember, like what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, I've been trying to memorize and go through that on my own personal level, and I'm blown away at this big boo-boo man, Peter, said... These amazing promises 
These amazing things that God has given to us that we can actually learn to live in those things and they give us a vitality through the Spirit that allows us to partake with His divine thought processes. Does that mean we're all perfected? No, but it means we can get a taste of God. Are you remembering those things? What are we passing on? On this Memorial Day, I want to ask you, what are you doing with your memory? Some of you walked in here this morning and you're fixated with the garbage, the trash, the mistakes, the boo-boos of the past. I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to lay that before the cross and move on and express the, the faith that you have by embracing the thoughts that God has for you. Remember the good things. Some of you, stress, anxiety, all these things. What does he say? Fill your mind with good, blessed, beautiful proper, encouraging, godly things. Think differently. How? Well, I can't do that. No, you can't do that on your own. But the power that lives in you, the power that you say redeemed you, is the power that God wants to unleash inside of you through his very spirit for you to think differently. But only if you make that choice and pursue his ways. What are you remembering today? Just... God has some things that he never wants us to forget. That he is powerful. That he loves us. And that he has something better for us than we can do for ourselves. Father, I pray by your spirit that you would help us to see your son. God, thank you, Father, for sending your son. A greater gift than what you did leading your children out of bondage to Pharaoh. Father, thank you for the privilege of being led out of bondage to myself because of Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. You're redeeming blood over me, over us. God, help us to remember those beautiful things that you never want us to forget. God, I ask for freedom. There's people here this morning that are being tormented by themselves. The evil one just messes with their minds all the time. And I ask that they would remember you and remember who you are and what you've done for them in the name of Jesus. Change us. Draw people to yourself, Father.